We're going to continue today in our message series called Life Starts Now. And uh, life will try to move fairly quickly in the next 15 minutes. But um, if you've got a Bible with you, I want you to find Mark chapter 8, picking up at verse 31. Mark chapter 8, picking up at, at, at verse 31. It's a short episode with Jesus, and I feel like it just kind of sets up a, a good view forward into 2020 as um, Jesus calls us to dis- to a decision in this passage. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Mark chapter 8, picking up at verse 31. Mark writes this. He says, Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. And Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and he reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan. Or a more literal translation will say, get behind me, Satan. You are not seeing, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And then verse 34, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Pardon me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Sorry, I keep skipping a line there. Verse 35. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel or the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. Let's be seated together. This is the first of three times that Jesus, at least recorded in Mark, the first of three times that Jesus predicts or tells that he's going to die and die in this this fashion. And I think it's impossible for us to put ourselves in the story because we know the end of the story. But for those disciples, this was this was just an absurd thing that Jesus would say. Ridiculous. I, I don't know what Peter was thinking when he when he kind of tried to stop Jesus, reprimand him. But he's like, you're, you're not bringing that negativity around here, Jesus. And he, he rebukes them. But 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 what was happening is that Peter's effort to be helpful was a satanic temptation for Jesus. Peter meant well, but it was not a God-driven rebuke. So I'm going to three little things here just as you think about moving forward to 2020. And I would just say this, the good intentions can be harmful, be unhelpful. And so the first challenge in 2020 would be this, to choose God intentions over good intentions. Choose God intentions over good intentions. Verse 33, again, He says, Jesus turned around, looked at his disciples and reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Uh, A more literal translation will say, you know, you do not have the the, the mind, uh, you do not have in mind the things of God. Peter, see, Peter had a natural human perspective on this, a human worldview, not a godly worldview. See, Satan's one goal all along had been to get Jesus to avoid the cross, right? Satan wanted Jesus to not go to the cross, take a shortcut, do whatever it takes, but 
Satan's goal is like, whatever happens, right? They had a little conference in hell and, and Satan said, whatever we do, we can't let him get to the cross because that's our doom. No, that didn't really happen, but you know what I mean. You, you get my point, right? Jesus didn't want to suffer. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. Even in the garden, he said, if there's any possibility that this cup would not come to me and yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus praying to his father. Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father so that he could suffer. And I, I just think it's amazing how Satan, our enemy, will come at us even through the most sincere, well-meaning avenues in our life to try to take us down. I, I think you, you think about, for example, uh, maybe you've had this experience, like say a friend is going through a divorce, but it's not divorced yet, and they're in a new relationship, and they post on Facebook, hey, here's my new relationship, and and then there's a whole bunch of, you know, 98 likes on your new relationship and including Christians. You think, come on, we're, you're sending the wrong message. You're encouraging someone that's, that's claims to be a Christian, but is not doing things in a way that's God honoring. It's well-meaning. It's well-intentioned. We want to kind of like love the person, but you send a mixed message. Sometimes good intentions are actually unhelpful. It's a, We've talked about this before, but it is a mindset, a world view. The battles for holiness are won or lost in your mind. How you think matters. It's like, you know, your worldview, your mindset. Is like, think about it like a pair of glasses. The right glasses help you see clearly. The wrong glasses make things all distorted. Maybe they're the wrong color glasses that make everything an off color. And with the wrong viewpoint, your best intentions can misguide the very person you're trying to help. So don't don't fall into offering cultural advice. Offer godly guidance, godly encouragement to people. Uh, and to do that, you've got to have a you know a God-driven mindset developed through the Word, like Carrie Sue was talking about in her testimony. So I'm just saying, 2020, make it your goal to develop more of a Christ-centered. God-driven, biblical perspective, worldview on things. Loving people, loving truth. And so we're choosing God intentions over good intentions. Now, Peter's rebuke of Jesus, and then Jesus flips it around and rebukes Peter. It sets up this really sobering moment, a really serious moment for Jesus and his friends and for the whole crowd. And, you know, the reality is that if you're going to follow someone, if you're really going to follow someone... Uh, you're going to go where they go, even if it's difficult. I, I personally have an ongoing issue with GPS navigation. I do not like it. I mean, I like it, but I don't like it because I don't always trust her, and it's always a her on ours. And um, in our car, in our world, her name is Mavis, and um, and I've programmed her to have a British accent, and so she says, "Take the slip road, right, or turn right at the next." I'm like. I don't think so. I, I think I know better. And then, um, you know, I've got kept, last year, earlier this year, we were on sabbatical. We were in Israel and we rented a car. Here's a picture of the car we rented. Um, horrible car. <laughs> horrible car. Sorry to those of you who own one. This was a horrible car. Uh, but it was fun. And uh, we, we were going from a place we hadn't been before to another place we hadn't been before. And so we just put the directions in our map. And uh, and off we go. And Google's taking us through some. Now, there's when you rent a car in Israel, there's places you're not allowed to go. Because they will not insure you in, in Palestinian-controlled areas. They won't insure the car. 
Well, Google does not observe those rules. And uh, I'm sure we were in some very questionable places. I mean, it was, I was, I was, I was nervous. I was nervous. And I said, I think we should go back. Becky's like, Becky's the adrenaline junkie in our family. She's like, ah, oh, we'll be fine. Let's keep going. And uh, we're, you know, one point we're going through these little towns and, and places and narrow streets. And one place we'd come around and we're going to go up this street and this big police truck's coming on this one lane road, barreling down on us. We quickly back out of there and we try to go up this road, but it's too steep for this gutless little thing. And it's spinning its tires. Trying, I had to back up and take a run at the little hill. I just thought, this is not a, this is not good. And it finally dumped us into an olive orchard, olive grove. We are, we are driving on this super bumpy gravel road. How that, what on earth? And finally dumped us out on the highway and Google said, see, told you. And, uh, or she said, I told you so, just trust me. And, um, but you know, then you hear terrible stories of people actually died because they followed the Google directions, right? So typically, you know, we, we, we trust our navigation mapping system, but what about God's directions? We have a little more of a hybrid approach, like more like my approach. Like, yes, but I think I'm going to try this myself. I like it when Jesus takes me to easy places, but when he has challenging things like love your enemy or forgive the person who offends you or care for the least of these, those instructions we want to avoid. Jesus is saying you can't have it both ways. I'd put it this way. Pick a lane. Jesus is calling to you to pick a lane. You know, in traffic, when you pull out and or, or you're driving and someone kind of pulls in front of you, but they straddle two lanes and they're while they're getting up to speed and people like me are like, pick a lane! <laughs> lovingly. I say lovingly, right? <laughs> pick a lane. You can't have it both ways. Pick a lane. And Jesus says, look, you follow me or you follow your own way, but you can't have both. You can't have both. Jesus, I do believe, Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, I believe Jesus directs your steps and your decision-making generally. But there's there's a point at which we just submit to Jesus and let him lead us. There's strong words from Jesus. He says this, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Sometime I'll maybe make some more comments about the cross itself. Um, there's kind of a lot meaning to that. But to take up your cross, would have they would have understood. This is symbolic of total surrender, potentially death. But the, the word... Okay, I'll... I'll Christy... That song you're going to do at the end, save that for next week, okay? Wherever you are. Let's save that for next week. It's an amazing song, but let's save it for next week. Uh, a cross, uh, the word for cross in the New Testament is staros or stake. If you ever have a Jehovah's Witness come to your door, they'll make a big deal about this. Don't worry about it. Um, it's, it's understanding the stake was used in a variety of ways in crucifixion. You could be crucified like this. You could be crucified upside down that way. But very often the Romans who had sort of perfected in earlier times, the stake was used to impale you straight up from underneath. It's a quick death, gruesome, but quick and painful. The, the Romans perfected the long, slow, painful death. And that was crucifixion, especially on what they call a, a gibbet. Uh, 
that where you'd be stretched out across like this, like we understand across. And the early artwork shows that style, but it's still called a sorrow, still called a stake, even though it's got a cross beam uh, for crucifixion. But you think about that word stake in other ways, like to, to pull up stakes. In 2007, my family and I, where we live, we pulled up stakes and we moved to California. We, we took it up with us. We went. There's a sense of like this daily leaving everything behind to choose to follow Jesus. So whether it means that or whether it means fully understanding, this could mean my death. Romans love to crucify. It's a very public, brutal execution. They love to do that to anyone who resisted crucifixion, dying for Jesus in that way. And he's saying, take up your cross daily and follow me. And it's so countercultural because culture tells you things like this. You know what? Just follow your heart. Just follow your dreams. You can be whatever you want to be. You deserve to be happy. You owe it to yourself. That's how the culture interprets that. All those are lies. That's wrong. None of those things are true. You don't deserve anything. Especially for the Christ follower. You and I, those of us who've who've put our faith in Christ before Jesus, we were dead in our sin. Dead and deserving the judgment reserved for all those who would rebel against God Almighty. Because that's what we were. Rebels. Deserving of destruction. And Jesus says we must take up the cross, which is death to self and death to our self-driven desires. And yes, we still sin and we still follow the temptations of, of all the things around us. And thankfully, God in his mercy and in his unlimited grace welcomes us back, forgives. I get with his every day, his mercy is new. I get all that. But but I want to remind you at the end of your life on this earth, you're done. At the end of your life on this earth, you're done. Right? There's nothing really significant you can do to extend that. And you don't get a second go around. You get one shot. And so you're going to live and then you're going to die. And Jesus says, you've got a choice. You can hang on to your own life and do it your own way. But you're still going to lose it. Or he makes this remarkable offer. You can give your life to him. And he gives it back with an eternal extension so you can take a risk and build your own kingdom you can manage your own portfolio Uh, you might even gain the whole world jesus says or you can submit yourself to jesus the king of kings the lord of lords and anticipate eternal life the only thing at stake is your soul and jesus says what's more valuable than your soul so thinking of 2020 I'd suggest you make the guaranteed investment. Make the guaranteed investment. Yep, you got through Christmas, you got some cool gifts, or maybe something you got didn't really turn out. Maybe it was, remember you remember as a kid, you got something and then it broke the next, very next day or that afternoon. You think, oh, I'm happy this Christmas. I got a turntable, so I'm spinning records for the first time in 25 years. So super cool. It's just awesome. Um, yeah, turntable. Uh, records. Uh, but everything in life, right? Everything, turntables, toys, cars, houses, vacations. You know, we all realize they're all temporary. We know that, right? We understand that they're temporary. They're not good. They're not bad. They're neutral, but they are temporary. And if you have the means to enjoy a quality car and a comfortable house, awesome. Enjoy it. No guilt. 
But if you use them to somehow show that you have status or to somehow build your value, right? doesn't matter if it's an old Ford or a new Mercedes. If, if you're kind of presenting, look how humble I am, look how fantastic I am, you're trading your soul for temporary stuff. The kingdom of self makes this false promise that, that if you'll give yourself, give yourself to the accumulation of things or give yourself to a certain cause or, or give yourself to a certain relationship, you're going to be happy or satisfied or wealthy or whatever that is. But I'm telling you, none of those things will give anything back to you. It's only by giving your life to Jesus that you receive back. All those other things take more than they can give. But the investment of your soul into God's kingdom is the only guaranteed eternal investment. It returns more to you than you give to it. And when Luke recorded this in his gospel, he included one extra detail in the words of Jesus. In Luke 9.23, he said this. Uh, Jesus said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross daily and follow me. Daily. It's a daily, that's an everyday thing. 2020 is here. You made it. We're into the future, finally. All those promises of what would happen in 2020. Well, here we are, right? And this week, you may write some goals down. You may create some resolutions. I'm a big believer in writing things down. What you want to see happen, write it down. Following Jesus, though, is daily. Friends, friends, it's a daily decision. Take up your cross every day. It's going to be our word for 2020, daily. Keyword, choosing each day to listen to Jesus, watch for Jesus, follow Jesus. And he says, in Mark, back in Mark 8, verse 35, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. You'll save it. So, choose God intentions over good intentions this year. Pick a lane. Who are you going to follow? And then make the guaranteed investment that returns life to you. Let's pray. Jesus, you have given so much. You gave yourself. You surrendered the glories of heaven. You put yourself in our place. As a, as a human person, you faced all the temptations we face. You knew what it was like to be hungry. You knew what it was like to be cold. You, you understood all those things, the highs and lows, and yet you did not sin. And without deserving it, you went to the cross on our behalf. You suffered and died in our place. And now you invite us to follow after you to all the places you would lead us, even if it means to death to lay down our lives and to take up your cross every day. And God, my prayer is that this year we would that would become more real than it's ever been before. More real than it's ever been. And Lord, I thank you for the joy that comes in, in surprising ways when we do that. Lord, when we find the freedom of, of not only being forgiven, but forgiving others. When we find the joy of obeying you and 
denying ourselves. Lord, there's just incredible blessing in that. And I pray that this would be a year we would discover that more than any. We thank you for your continual, perpetual guidance over our lives when we'll yield ourselves to you. And we give you our praise in your name. Amen. Amen.